0: What is up, restaurant world? Welcome to the Tip Share, where we dive deep into the labyrinth of all things restaurant, open up conversations with owners, operators, vendors, and industry experts to explore everything that's happening within the industry and its current climate. Sit back, grab your shift drink, and let's share our tips.
1: Good morning, everyone. We're here with uh, Max Reicher and Catherine Reeves from the RSI Purchasing Department. Thanks, you guys, for coming in this morning. This is going to be a uh, a good, informative session for us. Um, Good morning, Max. Good morning, Catherine. Good morning. Right on. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. Good. Nice, nice. You know, with everything that's going on with COVID, um, I think what would be most interesting for our clients and as well as for our industry colleagues is to learn a little bit about what changes we've seen um, or even what our vendors have seen since COVID had started in March, as far as just the trends go. And I know that's a really broad-based question, but let's narrow it into the spending habits for the restaurants. I mean, obviously they have less sales. Um, you know, Max, what have you seen from, uh, from a spending perspective from the restaurants? Are they changing? Are they going to, let's say, a restaurant depot over a Cisco? What general things? Let's start there and work our way in. I
0: mean, with uh, you know, the first three months of the year, um, our clients you know, globally were spending about 900000 a month on disposables and to-go supplies and things like that. Um, looking at at May, June, July, those numbers have gone up to like 1.8 million. So the, the spend on disposable items has has nearly doubled um if for the same time period. And, and that's even with a lot of restaurants facing you know, lower sales numbers and stuff and, and it even spikes that much. Kat, when you're working with our
1: clients is with with regards to disposables, are they what kind of things are they bringing up to you as far as either programs that we can put in place or what they're going through what what things can you infer from uh, your conversations with them
2: yeah it's 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 rough out there you know the supply and demand of the disposables are crazy so you see these huge price surges um can't get what they need a lot of times and just really in the trenches we're in there with them we're fighting to find every penny we can you know they're like hey do you have a program for this you have a program for that we're we're working on we're working on yes you know so it's it's becoming more important now than ever you know to have us as a partner that can find those savings
1: you know Kat I think you raise a really really good point Let's take a step back, real quick, Max. What's the overall swath of programs that we have for our clients? What is, what do they encompass? Let's let's give a general perception of what the RSI purchasing program is. Is it first of all? Let's clarify. We are not a GBO, right?
0: Correct. Correct. And we're and what what really sets us apart in that respect, Matt, is the fact that we're not monetizing this. You know, so many, so many buying, there are plenty of buying groups out there, but all of them will, let's say there's a $2 case, you rebate available on something, they'll keep a dollar for themselves and only give the client a dollar. We're, we're their accountants. We're using it purely as a retention tool, just with the idea that if we can be the best partners we can for, for our clients and and help keep them in business and flow more to their bottom line, they're, they're going to stick with us. That's a good point. Kat, when you're
1: talking, when you're speaking with our, with clients, How hard is it sometimes to get it across to them the the what the purpose of this program is when you're telling them that it doesn't cost them anything?
2: You know, once we kind of grab their attention and they take a listen to what we're up to, it's it's smooth sailing from then on. You know, once we can qualify that we're not already getting any manufacturer rebates on the rebates on the food side. Um, away we go. And then we talk about what non-food programs we have in place that can really help them as well.
1: Let's let's take a step back. Let's talk about manufactured uh, uh, rebates and how that differs from just buying products in bulk. Max, what's a little... Why don't you describe the difference between a manufactured rebate program and what it takes for our clients to take advantage of that?
0: So for the... Because um, we didn't want to... You know, pigeonhole our clients into you can only use this distributor. You can only we wanted to remain distributor agnostic. Yep. Um, so it's um, as as long as a client is purchasing from a distributor that that we can get their their purchase history from, um, you know, they they can qualify. So as as a, as they they make their purchases. We're getting data on the back end that anything that has a program tied out to it gets flagged and then quarterly we, we invoice all the manufacturers for the previous even um, for the, the purchases from the previous quarter. And usually it's about 60 or so days by um, after the end of that quarter that um, we'll send out um, a, a full reconciliation report for our clients mm-hmm. along with um, credits against their RSI fees.
1: So, Cap, would it be fair to say that a manufactured rebate program uh, to to do this, we have to normalize all of, let's say, the chicken wings that our clients buy. We have to normalize those. And then you guys send that information up to the, the large aggregators who then make manufactured deals. Those deals then are applied directly to the purchased products for our clients. So for example, if I'm buying Tyson chicken wings and and we have a program for Purdue, let's say, if a client is if a client switches to that Purdue chicken wing, but they're still using Cisco, we're not making them switch their broadliner per se. So if they if they work with their local street rep, they get the product that they can get a manufactured rebate, that rebate then 100 percent of that rebate goes directly to them. Is that fair to say?
2: Yes. Yes. That's correct. You know, we don't want to mess up the relationship with their reps that they have out there on the street. You know, normally they love their distributor. Obviously they built a relationship on that level. And so we don't want to interfere with that. We're just taking a deeper dive and finding money from the actual origination of that box of chicken wings.
1: And I love where you're going, Kat. And, and, And I think it's important to understand that to go back to where we started, The difference between what we're doing here with our clients and what we're doing with, um, or what a GBO would do, would be the fact that a GBO would be hooked into a contract and that contract might require the client to switch a specific vendor or broadliner or what have you. Is that correct, Max?
0: You bet. And, and, you know, I I want to be real clear that we'll never tell our clients what they can and cannot buy. Absolutely. they're they're responsible for what happens in their four walls at the same time um, if they're buying a a pro you know a product that we don't have a program on and and there's a very similar um you know match program item we'll we'll show them that item and you know just food for thought kind of thing hey you take you're you're currently buying this you know to-go container we've got a really strong program with dart and take a look at these items and and see if they make sense for you um and if you want to learn more we can get samples whatever um, so, at, at the end of the day we're just trying to drive as much value for our clients
1: and i think that's the part that that you know cat you were trying to uh, you you were making that point earlier clients right now are rightly so they're freaked out right we we've had to pivot our businesses they've had to turn around and try to figure out how they're going to extend their outdoor dining, how they're going to take what was normally inside the floor walls of an experience, and how to get that experience out to the guest. So we keep mentioning Dart. Let's talk a little bit about the disposables program, why we did it, and what we're hoping to achieve there. Kat, you want to you want to talk a little bit about um, how the disposables are working into your conversations with our clients?
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, Max, we started working on this pre-covid you know we we knew the importance was there you know of of those types of products you know basically because of the delivery you know and all of the the landscape there was changing already now we're in the thick of it and it's more important now than ever to to really drive the value in the packaging of those Products, um, yeah, it, it's it's a really hot topic out there right now. So you know, Max has kind of flipped it on its head a little bit. Not only do we have a DART product or our dark program that's very strong, we're looking at even other ways to drive value in that in that space. And Max can talk a little bit more about the the thing we're doing
1: here in Colorado. That's great. So Max, why don't we? Uh, it, and what I really like what you just said there at the end, Catherine, was what we're doing in Colorado, which indicates the fact that we can also
0: create regional programs correct max yeah absolutely absolutely where there's a um you know a need if it's something more specialty like produce or or things like that where it makes sense to have a local guy it can be serviced as well um, that, you know using a national um, supplier we we can do regional programs just for certain geographic areas
1: or or groups so let's take a step back. We talked. We were speaking earlier about the the, the wide swath of programs that we have. Max, do you, what, how many programs do we have, and what? How many items does that cover for a, a specific uh, client? What could they have access to?
0: Currently, we've got I think fifty six um, you know, manufacturer programs that cover. I want to say it's right around ten thousand items, um, and you know, any you know, the, in the the yeah, the per, or the rebates in in um, that will vary by you know by program. Uh, for instance, like on the to go containers, um, you know there's 1,200 items that um, from Dart and, and yeah, they either under the either Dart or Solo uh, brand. And of of those 1,200 items, 900 of them have a, a, an average rebate per case of, of over ten dollars. And, and with some as high as 16 plus dollars per case. So let's, let's
1: take a step back. So just so it's clear in my mind, a client is going to buy products no matter what, right? So if they're buying the products and we're providing them guidance on the products that they're currently buying or alternatives that might be a better quality product that carry a $10 per case rebate, what, why wouldn't they? take advantage of trying to do this program? What's the catch? Where's the hook? Is there anything?
0: There's really no downside. You know, they're they're not required to do anything. They're not, um, you know, they're, they're still completely in control of what they buy. Um, and it, and some, you know, it's, it's just a matter of, sometimes it's a matter of whether the distributor has it in stock. Um, especially in the, in the area of disposables, the, the distributors would much rather sell their, you know, Cisco or U.S. Foods labeled items just because they, they've got back-end sheltered income built into those. Um, so sometimes they, we've run into cases where, you know, I know the items in stock. It's because the manufacturer has, rec- they, they delivered it to that facility. Mm-hmm. Um however the the distributor you know, does not um they'll lock the client's uh um order guide down so they can only see their Cisco label. Well, and we
1: all know why that's done because the margin on a Cisco white label product and or let's let's we keep saying Cisco, but let's be real here. The the, the margin on any private label product is gonna be far greater than it is on a branded product. But however, I think Kat, would you would would you Agree that the demands of to-go packaging and delivery-based packaging are far greater now for quality than they've ever been in the past. Yeah, yeah.
2: absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, quality. Uh, as long as they can, you know, get their product to the end user, the consumer, and in, in, in a good way. You know, everybody's all about that. It's obviously, you know, their brand. You know, they're protecting their brand.
0: I think. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, I think about going from the you know the the guest experience in a restaurant where you your staff you know, from the kitchen to the front of the house to the table has to be control of that product. I think now, it's now in the you. in the delivery and takeout world, you you don't have full control of the product. But you've got you know more steps in there. So using the the you know the container or product that will mean you know, do give you the best chance of maintaining that consistency and giving your guests a, a consistent you know high quality experience is more important now than it is in
1: i think it's important for individuals to know that this behavior for most independent restaurants is it's something that we all know should be done but the overhead required to analyze the information to be able to use that information to obtain quality products at a more aggressive price, that just—Catherine, how, how many people do you think can actually pull that off in in the middle of COVID, or even normally? How many people actually have that type of organized purchasing research at their disposal?
2: They, they, it doesn't exist. It, it doesn't, exist. And, you know, especially from an accounting company. You know,
1: yeah. that's
2: the thing that people are like. Okay, you do all these other things for me and you're telling me you're going to help me out on this level, you know, with the single operator, the the mom and pop shop or the the group that has two or three stores. They've already laid off, you know, a lot of their people, you know, and they're struggling to survive. The fact that we can do all the heavy lifting behind the scenes, it's it's just enormous. You know, it's a tremendous um, asset really for our clients to have us, you know, we've got their back.
1: You know, it's the greatest, you know, Kat, I don't know how we're going to top that because that that's exactly what we're trying to do here. The goal, the goal with this program when we began it was to take independent purchases from single units that were spread around the country, combine them so that we could see the aggregate spend on lifestyle items. And then Max, through your experience and Catherine, through your experience, create these programs that are solely designed to provide options for our clients and uh, and allow them the opportunity to maintain their brands, to increase their purchasing power and and what their rebates were, and also promote collaboration and flexibility within their street market. So this is a program that's actually designed to help deepen the engagement with the individuals that are are working with the restaurateurs in their neighborhoods. Is that a fair summary of our purchasing program? Absolutely. Yep.
0: Absolutely. And it's it's interesting that you know, just a, a couple of items can really, really drive a lot of of you know rebate dollars or, or savings for a client. You we've got a a, a restaurant in Chicago um, that on, on two disposable items. They, they earned enough last quarter to, to offset 96% of their uh, upside fees, just on two items. So when we look
1: at two items, you're telling me that two items then yielded them, you know, we could say roughly $700 a, a month in savings just on two items, correct? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that, uh, how, let me ask you a question this way, Kat, how do clients get started with you? How, where, where do they go? Um, when they want to take advantage of this pers- purchasing type uh, program, how do they get an introduction? Give me the the give me the steps.
2: So it can vary. Um, you know, sometimes during the the training process when they're onboarding, uh, we'll engage the we'll will be included in one of those conversations from the uh, client advisors. to invite us, right. kind of explain what we're up to and get the ball rolling there. Um, it could be that I just randomly reach out to them maybe it's a client that's been with us a long time that may not be aware of what we're, we've got going on okay. um so it really kind of runs the, the gamut of how we get engaged with
1: people we're just we're here to figure out any way we can
2: to to help
1: what uh, what steps does a client have to take if they you know you reach out to them you talk about it we determined, uh because it's important. Uh, it's important to note that uh, clients that are currently in prime vendor agreements. So, for example, let's what do we say, Max? Eighty percent of their groceries are purchased by a broadliner, and they are in a in a in a contract. They actually have a contract with that broadliner. If they're in there, why can't they take advantage of the manufacturer program? What happens in that situation?
0: They they actually can. Um, you know, it's something we would want to at least look at their um contract to make sure that they're not receiving you know monies from the manufacturers um just because the, that's one thing um that you know we've we've made a commitment to our manufacturer partners to ensure that they're not getting doubled they're not getting built twice for the same purchases um but just a, a preferred vendor agreement or distribution contract with a uh um frontline distributor generally will not disqualify them from taking advantage of our programs um, that's that's the pro- those agreements generally handle just okay here's here's what it costs to move the boxes right right um, they don't go as deep as you know having a separate deal with manufacturer
1: so so really simple for anybody for anybody listening and watching this our clients have to understand that there is nothing for them to do. Once we once we discuss it with them, we know the items that they're purchasing. We know the potential items they have savings on, right? The items that are matched up will automatically give them uh, the, the manufacturer rebates associated with that item, right? And in addition, they don't have to worry or have to be concerned with whether they're, they know they're in a program or they don't know they're in a program. That's something that we're going to do for them behind the scenes and help them make the decision that's right for them. So no matter what, they really do win. They either validate it on a current program or they have options for both off program and and other types of programs like CentOS or some of our service-based programs that we have for them as well, correct?
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and, yeah, if they are part of another buying group, um, you know, through the the early conversations we have. Yeah, we'll uh, we do a side-by-side comparison form and just a math rule the day. You'll know, we'll allow them to make the best decision for their operation.
1: Perfect. So, really, what we're doing here with this with the program is obviously this program started before COVID, but now, as we had mentioned before, if two items can get somebody back seven hundred dollars and they didn't have to make any switches or any adjustments, or they did because the information was presented to them, there's really no reason not to do this, is there? Yeah. All right. I think what we're going to do is, I think at this point, we look forward to having clients reach out to us. Kat, I appreciate your hard work and effort. Max, keep you adding those programs, and uh, we'll look forward to saving some people some money.
2: Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. There you go, guys. Nice to see you.
0: Yeah.
1: Have a good day. Have a great Friday, you guys.
0: Thanks for joining us this week on the tip share. Make sure to visit our website, restaurantaccounting com, where you can view more educational content subscribe to our monthly newsletter so you'll never miss an episode. Thanks again.